Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. Life that is very personal and dear is the presence of God in our lives. You know, I love the scripture where the council witnessed the fishermen, the disciples in Jerusalem, and it is described this way. If you look on the screen, the Bible says in Acts chapter 4, verse 13, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. And Jesus' presence was clearly uh, uh, presented in their lives. And it clearly set them apart. And it was very obvious that Christ made a difference in their lives. And as we take knowledge and, and know the presence of God in our lives, there must be a very strong personal application. You know, every doctrine of God is profitable in application so that we may grow in our Christian lives. And I think what the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, look at verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. You see, I think all of us could agree that the Bible is true, and the Bible is God's Word. That's why we have that term here in the Bible, the inspiration of God, God breathed Word. He spoke it, and men wrote it down by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And also, not only that, but we must get to the next next, uh, stage, not only just believing in the Word, but living in the Word, that's profitability. Profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Because the Bible says in verse 17, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So as we study the first category of the scripture, the doctrine of God, we must see profitability, meaning application that will draw us closer to him and also that will get us to grow in the Lord Jesus Christ because that's what the Bible aims at. That's the goal of the scripture is that we may be furnished unto all good works and good works glorify the God up in heaven, and also our Father. And so as we think about the doctrine of God's omnipresence, there must be a personal application as well. Not just knowing that God is everywhere, but living and knowing that He is with us, and He is with you, and that He is with me everywhere we go. And this helps us to grow. And this is a very personal application that we must meditate every single day, not only every single day, but every single moment of our lives, that God is with us every day. I think about some scripture in the New Testament. The Bible says that in Matthew 28, verse 20, that he will be with us as long as there is time. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. He also promises us that he will be with us beyond time. Not only this time of the earthly, but also the eternal time. In verse 16, the Bible says, And I will pray the Father, he shall give you another comforter, and he he may abide with you forever, and I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. So the Holy Spirit is given to all believers, and whose spirit is that? It's Jesus Christ's spirit. He says, I will come to you. 
And he is with us. He abides with us. And thank God that he will be with us, not only for this short period of time of life, but beyond this time forever and ever and ever. And God's promises are all yea. And in him it is all true. I think about what the Bible says in Hebrews 13 in verse 5. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. That's a personal promise from the Lord Jesus Christ. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. God is not distant from us as we think about those scriptures today. But on the contrary, he is more near than what we could perceive. You know, the carnal mind wishes to ignore this truth. When we are living for the flesh, when we are uh, mind of the flesh and lusting after the things of the world, we tend to ignore this truth. We recognize the presence of the world and sin more, but not the presence of God. A fleshly mind desires to roam free in his sinful imagination, that he alone and that there is no God. And I think about non-believers, those people who don't believe in Jesus Christ, nor do they believe in this book, and nor do they believe God up in heaven. And they desire to roam free in their fleshly mind and saying that there is no God in this world and that there is no God that cares for them and there is no God that died for them and there is no God that shed his blood. I think about what David wrote in Psalm 14 in verse 1. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And look at the next description. They are, what is the next word there? Corrupt. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. And they are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. So God sees earth and he says, there are people who are not seeking me and all have gone aside. They are all sinners. There is none righteous, no, not one. You see, men never have sought God. It was always God seeking men. God came down 2,000 years ago, and he died on that cross. We didn't ask for that, but he loved us enough, and he came down, he shed his blood, and he rose again, and he gives us a promise of eternal life. And he is seeking you today if you have never received Christ. You may not be seeking him, but God is seeking you. And God wants your soul, and God wants your life to be in heaven, and God wants your life to be cleansed from sin. Oh, I think about to deny the existence, to deny the existence of God is, uh, is to deny the presence of God, and how many people in this world are doing that. And sinful men, without the acknowledgement of God's presence and existence, and, uh, and, and they, they, they in every way have uh, uh, the great dare to roam free in, his wicked, in their wickedness, and with no fear. But as Christians today, as believers, we recognize the presence of God. And God's presence must be revered and honor and fear. Because the world will not do so, and Christians must. And we must perform that good work and shine the Lord Jesus Christ by recognizing that He is with us everywhere we go. And as He is with us everywhere we go, He wants to shine. He wants to speak to the hearts of men and women and, and even peers around you and, and even the people at work. And, and you are uh, uh, his voice today and you are uh, his body today. And, and he wants to use you and recognize his presence and be filled with his presence so that God may be glorified. 
and also lost would consider Christ as their Savior. One Christian poet wrote, Within thy circling power I stand, on every side I find thy hand. Awake, asleep, at home, abroad, I am surrounded still by God. Oh, may these thoughts possess my breast, wherever I roam, wherever I rest. Nor let my weaker passions dare consent to sin, for God is there. What did the poet recognize? That God is everywhere, and most importantly, God is within his heart. And not only that, because he is within his heart, he dares not to consent to sin. He dares not to give in to sin. You see, this personal attribute of our God should be a great motivation to get to know him and grow in him. And uh, 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 as we think about the presence of God, you know, God is holy. God said, be holy, for I am holy. And if we recognize his presence every single day and every single moment, hey, we will stay away from the wicked, wicked things of this world. We will abide in holiness with God. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, how important this is. And you see, in every way, uh, his omnipresence, the doctrine of omnipresence, helps us to get closer to him and also to grow in him. And you could run this race, this journey in this life by his grace and also in his presence. Oh, do not forsake or even ignore his presence today. I think about many people recognize God's presence and they recognize that he will never leave them or forsake them, but they kind of abuse it in a way where you know, whatever they do, God will always be there, you know. And uh, they sin, and, and they make their own decisions, and, and they just do whatever they want, and, and uh, what their fleshly desire and lust are. And I heard some time ago a man wrote to a, a reader's digest about his son, Doug. The man said one night Doug was looking at a full moon. Little Doug asked his mom if God was in the moon. She said, God is everywhere. The little Doug said, is God in my tummy? His mother said, well, sort of, not knowing where these questions were leading. Then the Doug declared, God wants a cupcake. Now, this is a humor. If you, if you want to laugh to help me out, that'd be great. But anyways, uh, you know, as we think about this, uh, 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 this illustration, you know, uh, uh, sometimes we could think about the presence of God. And as we think about the presence of God, we could somewhat try to abuse it as much as possible and try to get whatever we want according to what our flesh desires because he is always with us. And sometimes we can, in every way, abuse the grace of God. Let us never do that. Oh, reverence keeps, I believe, God's omnipresence is to be revered and not abused. Reverence keeps us pure in his presence. Reverence keeps us obedient in his presence. And reverence keeps us sensitive to his will in his presence. And reverence keeps us constant worship in his presence. So do we all revere and respect his omnipresence today? Or do we just take it casually and very lightly? We know it, but we don't live according to it. And we just kind of do whatever we want and, and ask God for whatever we want. What are we to revere about his omnipresence this morning? I'd like to share with you just very uh, simply three powerful features of God's omnipresence that leads us to reverence. Number one, let us consider his presence with this foreknowledge. 
his presence with this foreknowledge. Look at verse, uh, Psalm, uh, Psalm 139, look at verses 1 through 5, and I believe it's in your notes. It says, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me, and thou hast known my down sittings and my uprising. Thou understandest my thought, of thought far off. Thou compassed my path and my lying down, and are acquainted with all my ways, for there is not a word in my tongue. But lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou beset me behind and before. Lay thine hand upon me. Now, what does foreknowledge mean? It means he already knows. Better yet, he already knew. And see, he is everywhere. And not only is he everywhere, he is also in every time. You know, we could recognize this morning that he is with us. But as he is with us, he is already with us in the future. Now, I could be with you, and I could follow you around and say, I'm always with you. Okay. But I can never say, as I am with you now, I am with you also in the future. Okay. But God could claim that because he is eternal. He's not confounded by time. So he has that foreknowledge. Because he is everywhere in time, he has a foreknowledge, knowing everything. Nothing surprises the Lord. God said in Revelation 22, verse 13, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. He also said in Isaiah 46, verse 10, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times of things that are not yet done. So as he is with us all the time, he is with us already in the future, the past, and also even the present. And it's really hard to fully comprehend and understand, but amazing how our God is. And he does this with everyone in this room. No matter where you are, no matter how old you are, he is already there in the future as he is with you now. And this great attribute of foreknowledge helps us to know that he certainly cares for us. If he didn't care for us, he would not in any way abide with us in every time. Nor would he have that foreknowledge. But because he has divine nature of foreknowledge, omnipresent, he truly cares and loves us. And notice his foreknowledge at work. The psalmist wrote, as I read just previously in verse 1 through 5, God searched him, and God knew when he was sitting down, when he was rising up. God knew his thoughts afar off, and God acquainted himself with all of his ways. God knew the words in his tongue before he was even spoken, probably. And that God surrounded what was behind him and what was before him. I think it's very clear that God loved David. David wrote the song. And God's omnipresence demanded to execute his foreknowledge to know everything about David's past and David's presence and David's future. And ladies and gentlemen, we serve the same God as David. And he loves you today and he is with you today and he is already with you in the future. And uh, uh, he knows what's going on in your life, and he knows what decisions you'll make in the future as well. And you're not an accident, by the way, and you're not a mistake. God knew you, you were before you were born, and God knows who you are, and God knows you forever because he is everywhere, and that because he is in every time. An amazing thing that God knew me before I was born. And then God even knew me before even I was thought about by my parents. And God knew me before even the foundation of the world. 
God foreknew that I would receive Christ when I, was, when I was 19, and God knew that I'd be called into ministry. God knew all these things before even the foundation of the world because he, His omnipresence and that He is with you everywhere and that He is with, uh, uh, with you in every time. And God does the same thing with all of us today and that He cares for you. Oh, many people could get very worrisome about the future. But God's not worried. Rest assured that God is not worried because he has it all under control. He knows what's going on and, and what's going to happen. For example, you know, uh, we pray with fret in our hearts concerning some needs. And, uh, you know, we have some needs in our lives and, you know, we don't know uh, 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 the next job that we need to get and, and maybe the, uh, the next bill, how are we going to pay it? Or maybe the health condition, how may, uh, you don't know if it's going to improve or get worse. And, and you don't know uh, if you'll uh, uh, be hit with the news of cancer and, and, and you don't know uh, all the provision uh, 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 that might uh, uh, be needed in your way. And I think what Jesus said in Matthew 6, verse 8, and I believe it's on the screen, for your father knoweth what things you have need of before he ask him. Maybe it's not on the screen, I apologize. But Jesus Christ is saying very clearly, hey, before you even ask what your needs are, I already know it. I already know it. His foreknowledge at work, His omnipresence at work, and, and He cares for you that much, my friend. So do not fret or worry about some prayer requests that you might have today. And do not be scared. Do not have fear rule over you. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a love and power and sound mind. Just trust in the Lord and what He knows and, and how much He cares for you and how He is everywhere and that He is with you in every time. So do not worry. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, it's very obvious that God already knows everything. So why, in every way, are we worried? Or why are we fretting? So with that, His presence is, in every way, giving us that wonderful truth of foreknowledge. And secondly, His presence with us gives us the knowledge of faithfulness, that He is faithful. Look at verses 7 through 10. Whether shall I go from thy spirit, or whether shall I flee from thy presence? If I stand up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning, dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. You know, go to the highest place in the world. Guess what? God will be there. Go, go, to, the, go to the lowest place in the world. Guess what? God will still be there. Go to the farthest place in the world. God will still be there. You know, there is no physical way to run away from God. For God is a spirit. Yeah. I could run away from you and say, you know, I'm running away from you. And you could run away from me. Maybe that's a good thing, okay? And, uh, you know, you could run away from me. And physically run away and say, hey, you're now no longer with me. But you cannot do that to the Lord. Okay? Because God is a spirit. His spirit is everywhere. And by the way, his spirit is not in the trees. God's people say. I know this week they had a little heyday about the Earth Day thing, all right? And, uh, you know, uh, God is not in the flowers. No, God is not in, you know, in grass and in nature and Mother Earth. No, God created the Earth, all right? We're not believing in pantheism here. And uh, we believe 
in a creator, an invisible God that created everything that we see. And as we see these things, we don't glorify it, we glorify him. And uh, so, uh, uh, with that in mind, uh, uh, let us recognize uh, uh, the fact that, that God is everywhere and that we can not physically run away uh, uh, from uh, the Lord because he is a spirit. And his spirit is faithful to abide wherever you go and wherever you are. I like what David wrote here. The Bible says, even there, even there. Maybe a place where he is not normally found. Maybe a place, maybe, uh, that he has not scheduled to go or never be thought of to go. Even there. He says, shall thy hand lead me? Meaning God will be the leader wherever he goes. And he goes more deeper in security and thy right hand shall hold me. You know, his right hand will hold him. What does that mean? Meaning his strong hand. Is giving that analogy, how strong his hand is. You know, you usually use your right hand to do a lot of things. Now, if you're left-handed, that's your strong hand, all right? Now, this still applies to you, all right? So do not forsake this truth. But in every way, he's talking about his strong hand. And our God's hand is mighty and strong. And by the way, it's not waxed short. And the Israelites thought that God's hands waxed short. Even Moses thought God's hands waxed short. And God said, behold... See what I will do. My hands are not waxed short. God can do everything. I think about those quails in that, illustri- in that, in that story, and, and they wanted, wanted some meat. And uh, Moses thought, where are you going to get these meat? I mean, it's going to take a long time to get any, any meat ar- ar- around in this wilderness. And the Bible says, my hands not waxed short. You'll see what I'll do. And then the Bible says that they came, I think, from the east. And they came from the east. And it looked about they came from a day's journey. You know, as God was talking to the Israelites, it could have been, I think it was, that God was talking to the quails at the same time. <laughs> and that, hey, come on over. And by the way, maybe even before they even asked it or even stressed about it, they were even talking to the quail. God was talking to the quail and that God was leading the quails in this day's journey already. And what a wonderful God that we have, that he is everywhere, that he could do everything. Doesn't that excite you? No. I don't know about you, that excites me. What a wonderful God that we have. I mean, we could just further on explore him, but, I mean, he is inexplorable. I mean, he is inexhaustible. I, this is just the surface of it all. And, uh, and what a great God that we have. But going back to the strong hand again, all right? Sorry if I digress, but, you know, these truths are wonderful as well, amen? But, you know, uh, uh, as we think about his right hand and his strong hand, and further on, let's think about this application. Who is sitting on the right hand of the Father? Jesus Christ. What a wonderful application that is, too. Jesus Christ, who said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Oh, the God in the flesh, and his spirit is abiding with us. No wonder his right hand is strong. And that his uh, 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 son of God and his spirit is there and that he is leading us and that he is guiding us and that we could always trust his faithfulness today and that his spirit is forever with us. I love the description of Christ in Revelation chapter 1, verse 5, and from Jesus Christ, who is a faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from, the sin, from our sins in his own blood and made us kings and priests unto God and his father to him 
Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Isn't it wonderful to know how personable our God is through His Son? You see, Jesus Christ is a faithful witness for God, and He is a mediator for between man and God. And He abides with us. He is faithful to be with us. I think about 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful. He cannot deny himself. You see, he's not just with you. He is within you. That's personal. He is within you. If he says, I am no longer faithful to Jimmy Pack, he's saying, I am no longer faithful to myself. Because he is in me, and I in him. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, what a great truth. What a wonderful truth that Jesus Christ will never deny us, will never forsake us. He is a faithful witness, my friend. He will always be there, no matter where you go, no matter where you are. And you might think, oh, I dodged this presence. You know, uh, I kind of, es- I found my escape route from God's will. No, God's still there. He is forever faithful. He is in us. He will welcome us home in heaven as well. His presence will be the temple. I love that. No building or sanctuary will be needed there. And we come here to gather together and we have a building. And this is a uh, worshipped uh, 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 room. And, and this is, a, I guess you could say, a sanctuary. And thank God we don't need any buildings when we go to heaven because his presence is a temple. And by the way, we could go to the park and worship God there too. Amen. Maybe we should do that next week. <laughs> and his presence is still with us. His presence is not confounded by these buildings here. I'm going to meet Jesus Christ at Bible Baptist Church. No, you can meet Jesus Christ anywhere. And a church can move anywhere. If you'd like to have worship underneath the uh, bridge somewhere, hey, Jesus Christ is with us there too. I'm just simply saying that he is forever faithful. And also when we go to heaven, thank God his presence will still be there. And we'll see him face to face. We'll worship him. We'll honor him. And our faith will end this side. And what a wonderful day that will be. You see, his presence is with us all the way through, not just this earthly life, but eternal life. And it's all about God's presence. If you think about the Garden of Eden, God's presence dwelt among Adam and Eve, and uh, God met with them in the early mornings. And then uh, we see the tabernacle time, and the man fell, of course. And then we see that God dwelt among the nation of Israel, and that Shekinah glory came down. And also even the temple was built as they went to the promised land, and Shekinah glory came down, God's presence among that nation. And then now the church age, oh, the Spirit of God has promised to us to dwell within the believers, not just in any nation or a tabernacle or a temple, but within us. And as we are seeing these uh, uh, evolvement of, uh, 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 I guess, the structure, of God's presence where he dwells from the tabernacle to the temple and now within the believers we see now it's getting further into the end or to the eternal glory of God's presence for good and ladies and gentlemen you see it's all about God's presence from the beginning to the end forever and ever and we need to recognize that this morning no wonder who he is forever faithful oh a faithful God whose presence will never cease
Number three, his presence with great depth. His presence with great depth in verse 11 and verse 12. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the light, night shineth as a day. The darkness and the light are both like unto thee. You know, there is no hiding from God. You know, God's presence and knowledge is not hindered by darkness or solitude. And furthermore, his thoughts toward us are innumerable. In verse 17 and 18, how precious also are thy thoughts unto me. O God, how great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. You know, his infinite understanding. Let's not even try to comprehend that today. But his infinite understanding. As we have reverence about his omnipresence, his infinite understanding as he is with us, It's beyond our imagination how much he thinks about us, how much he ponders about us, how much he cares for us in in his minds. Think about it. His infinite thoughts of care. You know, I could care for my wife, I could care for my family, but not like what Jesus can do. His infinite understanding of care. His infinite understanding of love. His infinite understanding of mercy and grace and forgiveness and and sympathy, and kindness, and compassion, his infinite understanding toward all of us. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, what a great God that we have. And this is something that we cannot measure at all because our mind are finite. And, and I heard that we only use maybe 10% of our brain. And, and Lee Shemin, our God in every way is, is eternal. And, and, and all the things that he does is beyond us. But we can see from the scripture that he is greater than us. And as he is greater than us, his thoughts towards you is, is infinite. And that he loves you so much and his presence is, 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 is beyond our understanding. It is of a great death. And, and with that in mind, what a great, wonderful uh, uh, direction that God is leading us to faith. And, and that we could uh, uh, please him uh, in this matter and saying, we believe that you love us. We believe that you forgive us. We believe that you have sympathy toward us. You be- we believe that you have compassion toward us because we know that you are greater than us. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, David wrote at the end of this psalm, as he thought about his presence, his care, his thoughts, his faithfulness, he ends with verses 23 and verse 24. Look with me, and I think it's on the screen as well. Let's read it together. Ready? Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Search me, O God, and know my heart. You know, David said, I cannot attain to it. Meaning, you know, this is something beyond me. I can't even really comprehend how you're with me everywhere, how faithful you are, how innumerable your thoughts are toward me. And all these truths I think about, meditate about, it's amazing. So at the end, he says, I surrender. I surrender. You know me, Lord. You know who I am. You're with me. You know my thoughts. You know my heart. So I open my life. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me. Try me. Prove me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. Lead me in everlasting. 
You see, ladies and gentlemen, as we are abiding in the presence of God, we will surrender to the will of God. We will surrender to His holiness. We will surrender to His righteousness. We will surrender to His godliness. And our goal is to be more like who? More like Jesus. You know why He's dwelling with you? Yes, He wants to comfort you. He wants to care for you. You get that benefit. It's in the package. But the greatest need is, is that we become more like Jesus. We become more like Jesus. If you have children, or you're maybe a teenager, I remember when I was a teenager. I was like 13 or 14. I had, you know, I was a very uh, quiet kid. And I remember I, junior high, I had this one, one friend. And I didn't speak English too well. You know, it's hard to get around when you speak English too well. And uh, I was in junior high. I had one friend. And uh, my mom figured out that he was not a very good influence because maybe I try to act like him as I kind of was with him. And I remember my mom said, I want you to stop hanging around with him. I said, I only have one friend at school. And I said, I don't have any friends then. And then my mom said, don't have friends then. (laughs) And, uh, you know, that really worked for me. But anyway, later on, you know, some disappointing thing happened, and then uh, he, uh, he tried to make me do something. I didn't want to do it, and then uh, he kind of went his way, and, and he became worse, by the way. And it was good that, you know, my mother saw that. And my mothers are always right. All mothers say amen, all right? And, uh, you know, and, and I'm just getting ready for Mother's Day, okay? <laughs> but, um, but, you know, the reason why my mom, my mom was worried about me hanging out with this guy is that as much as I dwelled with this guy and hang around with this guy, I became more like him. Yeah. Simple illustration. That's the same thing with the Lord. God wants to stick with you and abide with you. And he wants to abide with you so that you could be more like him. So don't abuse it in saying, let me, get, let me see what I could get out of it. Yeah. Let me see what I could get out of it. No, ladies and gentlemen, let's see what the Lord deserves and how much he needs to be glorified. Now, if you have never received Christ as your personal Savior, you, have, you don't have the presence of God. God knows you, God loves you, but God doesn't dwell within you. What does that mean? That means when death happens, when the last breath you take in this life, happens. God's eternal spirit is not within you. That means you have eternal death, which is called a lake of fire. Because God is a spirit and God is eternal. He is the only one that could take you to go to heaven. Now, how do we receive the spirit of God? How do we get sealed by the spirit of God? How do we get guaranteed for that? You receive Christ as your personal savior. Jesus Christ who died on that cross for you. The sins that you have committed the sins that you know of, that no one knows of but only you. God knows it too. And he knows that you have transgressed against him. And God knows that you have sinned against him. God knows that you have lied. And God knows that you have evil thoughts and perverse thoughts. And God knows that you have cursed. And God knows that you have stolen. God knows everything about you. And God says you're guilty. And God says, I'm not with you. But God wants to be with you. God wants you to be saved. God wants 
you to be in heaven. And he died for you. He died on that cross. He shed his blood so that your sins could be cleansed and be forgiven. And he was buried and that he rose again. You know the greatest thing about our Savior Jesus Christ, that he is not in the tomb anymore. All the other religious leaders, they're still dead. Find a grave marker or whatever. The record ends. But Jesus Christ's record abides us with us still. It continues on and on and on because he is living today. And he wants to save you. He wants to cleanse your sins so that you could be on your way to heaven. Because everyone's going to die. Tell me the remedy for not dying. There is none here. And we don't know when we're going to be struck with the news of cancer. And my dad died when I was 10 years old. Never knew that was going to happen, but he died. But thank God, a year before, he received Christ as Savior. By the way, but he fought for 10 years. He said, I don't want Jesus. Why does Jesus need to take care of my sin? I'll take care of my own sin the hospital bed, crying in tears, he received Christ knowing that he can't take care of his own sin. And ladies and gentlemen, you might be fighting God today, you might be fighting the presence of God, and he wants to enter, he wants to save you, he wants to be in your life. You say, I don't want that! You know why? Because you love your sin. You love this world. But God loves you even greater, and he wants to save you. Won't you receive Christ? Abide in the presence of God and go to heaven and be with him forever and ever. Is that far much more better than risking it and saying, maybe I'll go to heaven? Maybe. Oh, I encourage you. Now, if you're a Christian today, if you ever receive Jesus, let's reverence him. Let's honor him. Let's run in his presence. He will always be forever with us. And let us say, search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me. Know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me. Lead me into the way of everlasting. Let's pray that.